Which player that you don't normally think of is going to influence winning the most? We'll let you know who. Plus, Coach Yo, the portal queen herself, stops by the show to give us an update on women's basketball. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. I do want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, that's all one word, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. That's Locked On College, all one word. All right. I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and let's get started. What is the player that is on Ole Miss's roster that is probably going to influence winning more than any other player, even though you're not thinking of them? That is the thought exercise for today. Which player that you're not thinking of is going to be most important for a 2023 season than anybody else? Now, you can't say Quinshawn, you can't say Jackson Dart, those are all cop-outs. These are players that are behind the scenes that maybe we're not paying attention to. And my player would be Ulysses Bentley IV. I think he is going to be at a major level contributing to whether Ole Miss wins 10 games or Ole Miss wins 7 games. A lot is going to determine on what kind of a season he has. Good player. We saw him in the spring game, how quick he was, how fast he was. He At times he looked like a plus Jerry and Ely out there, which is obviously a good thing. And there's other players that people are going to mention. You know, there, you know, maybe it's Josh Harris. Maybe it's Monty Montgomery. But I think Ulysses Bentley IV really provides a boost that's similar to what Corey Philpot did for those Billy Brewer teams back 30 years ago for people old enough to remember it. He re- provides that burst, that change of speed that is going to be so important with a player like Quinshawn that defenses are going to have to key on. You're going to have a chance that whenever Ulysses comes into the game, the defense is going to kind of take a deep breath because Quinshawn is out of the game. So he has a chance to be really effective. And also, I think in the fourth quarter, I think a lot of the carries that Henry Paris the, um, Jr. got when he was here is going to go to Ulysses Bentley. Now, I do not know about Kedra Cascano. I think Kedra Cascano is going to be a great back. And ideally... He would be the third back in this setup, but we'll see exactly how he transli- transitions to major college football. Kedrick Riscano, I have unbelievably high hopes for him. And I, I, if you go back to my Twitter timeline, you can see that Lane Kiffin has a type when it comes to running back recruitment. And, you know, he was the MVP of the Polynesian Bowl. So he could add a little bit more depth into that running back room, which is that is important. Because if you sit down and you think of it, it's like, why did we lose the Alabama game? Because Quinshawn ran out of gas and they couldn't throw the ball effectively. So you either have to get back better at the quarterback position, which they're trying to do, obviously, or you need to be able to spell, spell him so he's fresher at the end. No Ulysses Bentley the fourth. In that game, Zach Evans was injured in the first half. And in the second half, Alabama took over 
and won the ball game. We still had the ball in the air on the last play of the game to win, but Alabama won the ball game in no small part due to the fact that you um, Quinchon was the only healthy running back that Ole Miss had. The LSU game. No Zach Evans. Zach Evans did not play in that game. Quinshawn ran for over 100 yards, but as we talked about during the season last year, the running backs did different things, and they did different things well. And whenever one of them was lost, it kind of lost what your offense could do. And Ulysses Bentley is going to open that up as well. In one way, I think, is because he's a heck of a pass catcher. And you saw in the spring game how they intended to use Ulysses Bentley and, and Quinshawn Judkins, who catching the ball is very second nature for Quinshawn. But Ulysses Bentley, here's his zones from his 2021 season at SMU. You can see on there he was two for two um, on both of behind the line of scrimmage. You know, as check down receivers, he was nine and nine in the screen game. He caught passes in all of the middle zones except the deep middle. Um, he was three for four. On the short right, you can see that they used him all over the field. And I bring this up to tell you this right now. They would not call these plays to put him in these positions to catch the ball if he was not a good receiver of the football. They would not waste a play. The fact that he is being used in this situation, whether the ball was caught or not, shows the confidence that they had in the hands. He caught a touchdown from Walker Howard in the spring game um, on a fourth down play of him running the ball. So he has good hands downfield. So we need to pay attention to receivers catching the ball out of the backfield, but we specifically need to pay attention to Ulysses Bentley the fourth because I think in the past game, he's going to help out Ole Miss out mightily. And I don't think that it should be overlooked at all. If you want to see a 10-2, and two, if you want a 10-2 and two, Ole Miss football team, Ulysses Bentley has 700 yards rushing and probably three or 400 yards pass receiving. Simple as that. He will help out with the Jackson Dart middle of the field thing. Quinshawn will help out with the Jackson the Dart middle of the field thing. The pass catching running backs are going to be a big deal. And they're going to figure out how to use him. I'm, you're going to see some Texas angle-type routes. You're going to see them use running backs in creative ways, in ways that make Michael Trigg get open a little bit more. The slot receiver, whoever that might be, gets open a little bit more. Maybe the outside guys, when everybody starts looking inside, there's more one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. So that's an opportunity for Trey Harris to be dangerous on the outside. I think this offense has a chance to be pretty explosive. And one of the reasons I think that is because they're realizing where their strengths are. We saw this in the spring game. And everybody's going to talk about you don't show anything in spring game. And it's not necessarily true. When you have a situation that's going to be obvious to everybody, like the strength of this team, being the middle of the field, whether running back or tight end, that can't help but being used. Now, I am disappointed by the lack of use of Caden Priestcorn in the spring game, but it kind of is what it is. Anyway, <clears throat> I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And honestly, 
Bird Dog sent out two free pairs of shorts to all of the Locked On hosts. And they sent it out to me. And, and as many of you know, I have to walk because of my balance. And I'm not going to rehash the story of why my balance is messed up. But I have to walk every morning, afternoon, and night. Whenever I don't walk, I get wobbly. Whenever you walk in shorts, you learn really quick in which shorts you should be walking in. It is a self-teaching tool like a shotgun. So if it's the wrong shorts, you can find yourself in a little bit of trouble. So Bird Dog sent these out. Most comfortable shorts I've ever put on. I walk in them every day. I actually look forward to wearing them out on my walks. You know, and if it can work for me, whenever I have to use it, it's one of those things that get used over and over again. Imagine if you were going to Disney World. Imagine if you were going to the Grove to wear a situation to where you had to wear them all day. They would be exactly what you needed. So I... Trust me on this one. So go to birddogs.com slash college, And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, that's all one word, LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. This is one of those situations to where if you order them, there will be a post in the comments about how awesome they are. Guaranteed. Absolutely. These are the most comfortable shorts I've ever put on in my entire life. And obviously, you can tell by my tone of voice that I'm not going off script right now. Unbelievably comfortable. You will comment on it. You will say, hey, Steve, you are right. Thank you, Bird Dogs. That is birddogs.com slash college. Birddogs.com slash college. They'll throw in that custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We will try to top this one. We will continue the preseason look at Ole Miss football. We'll look at visits. Dylan Hip is supposed to visit on June 2nd. He's a tight end out of Arizona. Um, we will try and figure out if anything breaks on that, if any other news, recruiting-wise, portal-wise, breaks. We will talk about it on tomorrow's show. But every day is thank you very much for tuning in. And this show is all about you. So thank you very much. All right. Today on the show, we want to talk about SEC tiers. Because Saturday Down South put out a graphic a couple of weeks ago. Or days ago. I don't know exactly when it was. About SEC tiers. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Here are the tiers of SEC football teams from Saturday down south, with the tier one being Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. This is my reaction to that line. Alabama and LSU don't belong on it. There's actually five tiers of SEC football, and Georgia kind of stands alone at the moment. Alabama used to be the gold standard. LSU used to be the gold standard. Now it is Georgia. Georgia is sitting there all by themselves. But Alabama and LSU, if you put Georgia, if you want to put them together, I guess you can. But Alabama has question marks, and they were two plays away last season from being in the Music City Bowl. That is just factual. It's the truth. Now, they won the Sugar Bowl. I'm not saying they weren't good, but they were really close to 8-4 and four last season. LSU, they came on at the end of the season. This is one of those situations where is Jaden Daniels really good or was that just a hot streak? 
that is probably the questions that we need to answer about LSU football. Was that just a hot streak? Harold Perkins, whenever he actually starts having to play, is he going to be as effective as when they used him as a utility hitter this past season? It's all interesting questions, but this isn't the 2019 Ed Orgeron LSU running around there, out there. Joe Burrow's not walking through that door. They don't have a Jamal um, um, Chase or Jordan Jefferson. Those guys aren't walking through their door. There's no running back that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But they are good, and they are defending champs of the SEC West. Now, Tier 2 is interesting to me, and that is Tennessee, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is where it needs to be. Whenever you look at this list, the first thing that comes out is like, yeah, Ole Miss is about there this season. South Carolina, that's going to be completely dependent on Spencer Rattler. Tennessee, it's going to be completely dependent on Joe Milton. Both of them have quarterback questions going into the season, just like Ole Miss. What's separating these three teams away from the first tier are those questions, in my opinion. But it's Tennessee, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. If you look at tier three, it's Kentucky, Arkansas, A&M, and Mississippi State. And this is not an egg ball comment, but Mississippi State does not belong on that row. I think I would put Auburn over them at the moment. And Auburn, I mean, their claim to fame in the 2000s is the 2020-like Birmingham Bowl runner-up. So we're not talking about a team that has done it recently. But I do think Auburn is going to be on Tier 3 because I don't think – I think Mississippi State has the potential for a 3-9 and nine this year. That defense has to be special, so unbelievably special to make up for what I think is going to be an offense that struggles a little bit. Vanderbilt is going to be up to the top of that Tier 4. The Tier 4 teams that they have on here is Auburn, Missouri, Florida, and Vanderbilt. Florida and Vandy are just fighting for a bowl game. Missouri, you know, I love Luther Burden, and we'll see exactly what happens. But the bottom four teams in the SEC – could be Mississippi State, Missouri, in my opinion, Florida, and Vanderbilt. Is Vandy going to get Wake Forest and have a chance to get into that bowl game? That is going to be the question. Now, we'll see exactly how it goes. Anyway, right now, coming up after the break, we will have Coach Yo talking about women's basketball, Ole Miss women's basketball moving forward in 2023 recruiting, the transfer portal, all of that stuff. Coach O was nice enough to give us about 15 minutes of time, so stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, upvote, comment, all of that. We'll be very proud of that. We are, it's just a special guest today. We've got the portal queen joining us yeah. today coach yo is in the house how are you doing coach yo i'm doing great thanks for having me yeah you know you know Ole Miss women's basketball way back whenever i was a young kid um back when the gillum sisters were running around and van chancellor had built up a machine over the years that the ncaa tournament appearance ncaa tournament appearance after another and carol ross took over and she had a run to the elite eight but after that Ole Miss women's basketball fell on hard times and yeah. i can't 
I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I think the NCAA came around and Matt Insel tried to turn it around and they just couldn't. But Coach, you, mm-hmm. you, you actually emailed out to whoever, I think it was Ross Bjork at that time, saying that you were the right person for this job. And I'm curious, what made you think that you were the right person for this job? Because Ole Miss basketball was not in a good place at that time. Well, uh, and actually I called. I called a search firm. Uh, mm. So the 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 reason why I thought I was good for the job is because I had just done the job with a smaller budget at JU. So when I showed up at Jacksonville University in Florida, the program was in, in a disarray, had never been to the NCAA tournament, um, was down out of, of luck on some years, and I was able to go there and turn it around. And if you look at my five years at JU and my five years at Ole Miss, it's almost identical as far as you know postseason play, the number of wins, um, and and the only difference is at Ole Miss, obviously I have a bigger platform. I'm able to get more talented players. We were able to go to Sweet 16, but this is not like my first rodeo. So after I realized that everyone was turning the job down, I didn't understand why I wasn't considered. Yeah, and it's been truly remarkable because I remember a few years ago, I think you had a game against South Carolina and there was, you were like playing a manager <laughs> and it was like 50 to yeah. eight at halftime. And I was like, Oh, the, the, yeah. The, but the patience and the perseverance to stick to it. And then an NIT finals run and then an NCAA tournament. It's just, it's been a slow build all the way up. And it culminated, culminated kind of with that upset in Stanford of Stanford and yeah, tell tell me what that night felt like. Tell tell me what that was like. Well, first of all, I, I told people when I got interviewed my first two years here, I said, y'all, this is going to be a crock pot, you know, and I know we live in a microwave society, but this is complete crock pot uh, cooking over here. Um, and so I've always felt like our program uh, can be where it is now. And then I, I think uh, us going to Palo Alto and beating Stanford, arguably, other than the final four runs uh, that everybody had this year, is one of the most significant and biggest wins. Not only because it's Stanford, but because it's Stanford. You have a Hall of Fame coach in Tara Vandeveer. Uh, I think it's been 11 seasons or maybe more in a row they have been in the Sweet 16. They had only lost a total of five games in the past five years um, at Stanford and two this past year, and one of them came to us. So if you were a betting person, you probably would think you wouldn't bet for Ole Miss, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so it was really a cool night, and I felt as far as matchups were concerned, we were in a good space to shock the world, which we had an opportunity to do. Yeah, and it was really awesome, and you became a star for a couple of weeks, and it, it was it was really cool to see. I, I followed along. I'm I'm not the biggest women's basketball fan, but that just completely grabbed me, and um, I I yeah. started paying attention a lot at that point. We have a guy on our show um, that comes on, um, Brantley Brantley Sanderson, who comes on, uh, and he's the biggest Ole Miss women's basketball fan I could find. Yes, he comes. Yes. He, yeah, he. <laughs> 
he comes on to tell me exactly what I should be knowing. So whenever you had that week of going down to LSU and then the South Carolina overtime game, whenever that happened, Brantley was like, hey, Steve, you need to pay attention to this because I think <laughs> Ole Miss is closer than um, everybody is thinking. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll see what goes on. And then that week is like, yeah. okay, Coach O's yeah. got it going on. Yeah, I mean it was wild. Uh, yeah, shout out to Brantley for real. He he, I I tune in when I can, um, and he always tell. I he would always bring us up and talk about us, and <laughs> and uh, it, it it was it was phenomenal, you know. And from that, yeah, Ole Miss women's basketball have been featured in USA Today, uh, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Um, I just did something with CBS Sports. Um, I spoke, I was a speaker at the Wall, uh, Wall Street Journal Festival in New York. I mean, it's been incredible to be able to promote uh, Ole Miss women's basketball in the University of Mississippi, you know, on a national stage in a positive light. And let's change gears a little bit um, and look towards next season. And whenever the transfer portal, you made the comment that you were going to do damage in the transfer portal. <laughs> What was your strategy and needs before any of these girls signed? What did you think you needed to find? And then how did they address this need, the girls that you got? Well, I think a lot of people forget uh, that last year we were in the portal and we we signed nine new players last year. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you don't want to have to sign that many with a roster of 15. Uh, so... This year, what we wanted to do to balance out our classes was get freshmen, which we did. We signed five and then see what we needed to fill in the blanks with on our roster. And so once we realized who was graduating, um, we started to target um, positions that we needed. And uh, we were playing and we were uh, looking at the portal to see who was in there and coming up with dates while we were playing. I mean, it got to a point where we were like, okay, if we're in the final four, we'll be in Oxford for this amount of time. And we need to bring recruits in on this weekend, <laughs> these couple days. So you kind of have to be like a general manager and a master planner so that you could put yourself in a situation um, to be prepared to attack the portal once kids go in there because it's really, I think, the ones that can captivate that portal kid right away most times will get the kid. Yeah, and, and the name that everybody got really excited about when it hit was Kennedy Todd Williams. Um, talk yeah. about her a little bit as a player. What are we looking at? Uh, Kennedy Todd is, is a six foot guard and women's basketball. That's pretty tall. Uh, you know, she can play the two, three and four. She can score. I think everyone was, everyone was because we, because she transferred out of North Carolina and she had, you know, Louisville and LSU, you know, teams that, uh, were in the elite eight and final four this year and, uh, was the second leading scorer on North Carolina's team. Uh, just a hustle player, a complete athlete, and we're excited because we get two years with her. And so, it was a it was a big get for us because of you know where she came from, uh, the way she played there, the notoriety, 
Uh, I think she made second team all ACC. I mean, for for us, for Ole Miss, a program that three years ago was 0-16 to be able uh, to land a kid like her was a pretty big deal. I mean, we got Shakira Austin, and I thought that was a big deal because she was the number one player in the transfer portal. But to go ahead two years later and, and get a young lady like this, it, it was another pretty big splash. You also had two players that went SEC to SEC um, with yeah. Carissa Richardson and KK Deans. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. height-wise, two completely different players, but what can you yep. expect from them? Uh, well, Carissa is, is man, her upside is tremendous. I think she got a freshman of the week uh, this season. Uh, she's a four-player that is going to completely um, – help us from an offensive standpoint and then from a rebounding and toughness standpoint. Um, I mean, she just has it. Uh, and we, I'm excited about her because we have three years with her and we really need size. Uh, that's going to be something that we focus on even in the 2024 class, uh, replacing some of the people that we will lose and making sure that we have size so that Madison Scott can start to play that 3-4 instead of that 4-5 level, even though sometimes when we play small ball, that is our best lineup. So Carissa brings that. KK uh, shoots a better three-point percentage than anyone in our team. Uh, she was top five in tons of scoring uh, uh, offensive categories in the SEC. She is a scoring point guard. Uh, she has swagger, demeanor, her demeanor is just full of like toughness and leadership. And uh, after losing Maya Taylor, who was tough and, and a defensive dog, you know, KK brings that toughness and that dog mentality, but also that offensive prowess that we really, really need if we want to uh, ultimately get to a Final Four. One thing that I find is interesting, whenever you look at the high school recruiting that you did, there's a player from Serbia, Obviously, there's yep. a Bahamas player. I can't imagine who yep. the end was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, it's kind of a global. You're casting a wide net. Yeah, well, when I hired Coach Boyan Yankovic, uh, that is one of the things that I hired him for. I wanted to start getting into our international recruiting. I just think in the Southeastern Conference, our skill level could be better on the women's side like we had four teams in the sweet 16 you know last two years we've had the national championship our our conference for women's basketball is the best in the country but uh we have to figure out oh miss our place in this okay and so our place is going to be a mixed bag of everything because in our radius you know there's not a hundreds and hundreds of of kids that can play at our level. So we kind of got to spread it out and diversify our portfolio. And we've really figured out a niche. We got one from Virginia. You know, we love our East Coast ties. Um, We went to Kansas City and and, and got a stud that I think is going to be really good. Like you mentioned, the Bahamas um, uh, uh, um, and Serbia, uh, where Coach Boyan is from, and then we went to South Carolina and got a 6'5 post player from there. So we kind of go wherever the talent is. Uh, I've been coaching for a long time, and so has my staff. And we've been all over the country, so we have connections there. And so we kind of just go after it. 
Okay, before I let you go, um, in obviously 2023, 2024 basketball season is probably going to be one of the most anticipated basketball, both men's and women's <laughs> basketball season in Ole Miss history. Um, yeah. What what can fans look forward to a Coach O team looking for looking like in 2023? Well, I just think the consistency. I mean, if you've ever come to our games, you you have seen uh, an incredible style of play from athleticism to skill to energy, uh, high level defense. We're we're top defense in in the country uh but now a splash of fun basketball on the offensive end i mean we averaged 70 points this year but one of the things that i'm not shy to say is i would like us to score in the 80s so that's 10 points uh more that we're gonna look for and it's gonna be our style of play um i also think when you come to Ole miss women's basketball game it's just a great experience uh i think our our um you know, our marketing crew and our game day crew, uh, they're intentional about making sure it's a family environment. Um, and you feel like you can touch our players. You know, they spend a lot of time with fans after the game. Obviously, I'm on Twitter. And uh, I just, uh, for, and, and a good bang for your buck. We have a lot of family deals. Uh, we have a lot of game day deals, but season tickets is just 50 bucks. And last year we averaged around 4,000 people. And I want to get that up to about 6,000 people this year. So um, if we can spread the word and come out, I always tell them they can get their money back. Just call you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Um, how do they order season tickets? Is How would be? A yeah, good you can just go. Yeah, you can just go online uh, to Ole Miss Sports and go to women's basketball. You could order season tickets. I think all of our floor seats are already gone. There is a wait list uh, for it because, you know, people love to just be up close and personal. And I just believe that the reason why it's good to support us is because we're in the community. You know, this is our third year winning the Community Service Award. Uh, we give back. We engage. You can touch us. Um and that is important for us. And like you said, I think it's going to be a, an exciting style of basketball, obviously, with Coach Baird and, and what he does and and then our consistency. You know, why, why not? I told people five years ago, I said, if you're into stocks, you got to invest in women's basketball um, or it'll be too late. And so I still believe that we still have room to invite people and and I don't know if you've been to a game yet, but we got to get you to one. <laughs> hey, I'd, I'd love to get up to Oxford to see one. You know, I have not been to a basketball game in the pavilion yet, actually, period. Okay, well, you have a personal invite for me. <laughs> uh, if you want to catch a doubleheader, sometimes we play, and it's football at the same uh, mm -hmm. on the same weekend. Just let me know. I'll hook you up. Outstanding. Anyway, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we will continue our off-season ramp-up. Um, I don't know how we're going to follow today, but tomorrow <laughs> we will absolutely try. Anyway, Coach O, thank you so much for joining the show today, and hopefully we can have you and again. I, and I feel – I feel official now that I've been invited on the show. You know, this is my first appearance. So I guess I'm true. I've truly made it now that I've been invited on the show. <laughs> my head, if you don't notice, my head's getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, take care, Coach Joe.